Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to On the Bench. This is Brendan Sinone. I'm joined today by Joshua Newberg and Christopher Nee, fellas. Good morning. How you doing today? Fantastic. Good morning. Great, Brendan. <laughs> you tried to sync it up together at the same time and you failed. <laughs> uh, t- so we have a, uh, we're working today. Today is Memorial Day and I want to start off the podcast by honoring and thanking those who who are serving currently. I know we have multiple members on Knowles 24-7 who are currently serving in the military, uh, those who have served, uh, who, like like myself, have family members who have served in the military, and thoughts and prayers to the families who have lost their loved ones who have served. Well, that's what Memorial Day is all about. Uh, for those who are off today, hopefully it's nice and relaxing. You have time to reflect, enjoy yourselves. And that's why we're doing the podcast, because we want you to have something either today to listen to while you're grilling out or doing yard work, or tomorrow when you start back at work, if you are commuting to listen to the, the podcast. So we do have a fair amount to go over today. Some good news, some bad news, as always here on, on the bench. We, uh, we're we not going to sugarcoat things and we're not going to freak out when bad things happen. We're going to try to give it to you slow and steady and, and just tell you how it is. So, fellas, I was going to go with ask you if you want a good news or bad news first. I'm going to say let's be positive, though, okay? We got cr- positive crystal ball predictions, uh, and that's what I want to get into before we do that. I think football's coming back. It just it keeps at least some semblance of it. FSU's taking steps towards uh, little steps towards normalcy when it comes to football. Uh, we reported a couple weeks back that players were expected to return to Tallahassee by mid-May. Mid-May has passed, and yes, players are around. Most of the roster is here, and uh, with most incoming freshmen expected to arrive on June first, my understanding, uh, yeah, things are kind of working back to where there's going to be a trend towards voluntary workouts, player-run practices. Chris, you do an excellent job kind of summing up the news tidbits that happened in the week. Uh, are you on the same page as me where you think we're kind of trending in that direction based on everything you've you've read and heard and, and even reported? Well, I talked to AD David Coburn this past week, and you know he didn't want to put any specific dates on things because they're still kind of figuring it out and going along day by day. But he did confirm that it started testing athletic staff as well as athletic players and personnel. And uh you know, that, that's a big step. I think the most important thing, and this isn't something Coburn said, but something that we've kind of learned in this process and reading, investigating, speaking with people that would know, June and July is going to be very important from the perspective of how do groups of student athletes handle being together and is there a flare up? And if so, how concerning is that? I think if you see a fairly clean June and July from that perspective, 
it's very good signs for the coming months and stuff. But as far as football, I think that decision is still, you know, mid-June, maybe at the earliest, but more likely mid-July, I think, is when we're going to see some definitive thoughts on how we're going to navigate college football season. But I do think we're trending in a positive direction as things kind of get a little more back to normal here day by day. I agree with Chris. Just kind of talking to sources close to the program, it sounds like everything is trending that way. I'd be surprised if if that stops. It sounds like we're going to get some workout soon, probably in the month of June, like Chris had mentioned. So I definitely think when you kind of take a step back and you look, I think football is probably going to happen this fall. fall. I'm more optimistic than I've ever been. Put it that way. And I don't know what that looks like. I agree with you, Josh. Like I do think we'll see a semblance of, of football and games played. Obviously, the caveat mm-hmm. is if if the the virus worsens or has a second burst or if multiple players on a team get infected at once and like there's like an outbreak or something like that. There's these variables that none of us know, but I do agree we will see some semblance of football. That's where it's trending right now, at least uh, as we uh, talk about this here in late May. So moving on from there to is going to be a recruiting centric podcast and there is a fair amount of recruiting stuff to go over like i said i want to stick on the positives and uh positives for us means talking about balls crystal balls there was a flurry of balls dropping late last week and we haven't had a chance to talk about on the podcast since and that was for two different players in favor of florida state kind of started with the spark of uh, of wilt fong dropped a couple now i will say i was the first to crystal ball both of these guys to florida state but that's not here nor there the first was jackson west a three-star tight end from huntsville alabama i'm gonna ask me about him in a second and then the other one was joshua burrell a three-star wide receiver from blythewood south carolina chris you actually caught up with jackson west and and i'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, what your read was with him and, and what you guys discussed and then secondly i guess him as a player person and, and how you would evaluate him right now well, I met Jackson in January when he took a junior day visit to Florida State. And at that point, he didn't have an offer, but he did have a lot of familiarity with the staff dating back to their time at Memphis. They offered him on uh, May 14th. He hit me up immediately when he got that offer. I've been updating his profile throughout his recruitment because he's not a social media kid. So we text and talk to each other on the phone like old school recruiting. And on May 14th, he tells me that FSU offers. So we kind of dive deep into that. And you know, he's known Norvell for some time. He knows his system. He knows what he does with tight ends. He's built a relationship with Chris Thompson dating back to at least January when the two have been dealing with each other. You know, six days later, uh, the May 20th rolls around about a week ago now. He hits me up again, lets me know, hey, I'm going to decide here on June 1st. And I'm down to these six schools here, Forest Boston College, Duke, Florida State, Pitt, and, uh, and uh, Purdue. And the only ones of those six that he's visited are Florida State and Purdue. Um, Purdue. God, you love that one. Um, Obviously, he's taken some virtual visits to others, so he has some familiarities with others. But I do think FSU and Purdue are the main two players here. I put in a crystal ball for FSU. I did do it after Steve put his in. Steve put his in on Thursday. I, I think there's a very good chance that Jackson ends up at FSU They've been clear with him. They intend to take two tight ends. So anybody concerned about Michael Trigg doesn't need to be concerned about Michael Trigg. This doesn't change their desire to add him to the roster. As far as a player, I like Jackson a ton. He's a 6'4", 230-pound kid. He's a basketball football kid. Very sharp, very smart, very hard work oriented. And he's one of those guys that like, you can tell in talking to him when he's talking about how these teams use a tight end, the system, what they do. 
he pays attention to it. It's not just him choosing FSU because FSU is garnering gold and has great tradition and success. Some of it is the coaching staff, but a lot of it is that he believes he fits what they do with tight ends. I think that's a true point with him. He's a guy who can get downfield. He does a good job locating the ball with his hands. He is athletic. He's also physical and willing to block. He does a good job of doing a little bit of everything at that position. And if he's the second tight end you're taking in a class with a guy like Michael Trick, who's athletically a little bit more special than most, then I think that's a very positive sign for what they're going to do at a position that we know this staff values more than some of the most recent staffs we had. You've also mentioned, Chris, that you value Jackson West for what he can do to elevate culture of the program. Yeah, he's just he's sharp. He he comes off as very mature. He you know, the social media thing is his parents. He said it's his mom's role and he's fine with it because I kind of joked with him. That's pretty rare in this day and age to deal with a kid who doesn't have social media. And but in general, he just he has his stuff together. Like when he talks about schools, programs, people. You can tell he invests time. Joshua, you're typing with out the mute button. It's okay. It's you not okay. He invests time in listening to what people have to say. He processes it. He is intelligent enough to kind of produce his own thoughts based on what he's been told. He's not a sheep. You know, he's a guy that kind of understands how to navigate these waters. I, I just, you know, a lot of kids get kind of caught up in the bright lights of recruiting or the recruiting monster, as I like to call it. He doesn't come off as that kind of kid. He came off as a kid who, when he got the offer he knew he wanted, he was pretty much ready to decide, especially with current climate where he's not able to take more visits. I had one of my buddies text me and ask what I what I thought about his highlights after watching it like a couple of weeks ago and, and where I thought he'd be ranked. I was like, eh, 88, 89, like I thought like a high three-star type of deal, and he ends up getting – Josh, did you get the bird bump for him to 87 at least? Goes from unranked to, to pretty high three-star? Shh. <laughs> Too early to be talking Berg Bump. We got Berg months bump. to go. All right. So, Josh, I'm going to kick this to you because his name is Joshua. Joshua Burrell to Joshua Newberg, three-star wide receiver from South Carolina. He's someone who got the opposite of a Berg Bump. He fell from, like, the mid-90s in our rankings to around 87. Uh, I'll we'll ask you guys why in a little bit. But uh, he's someone that you put in a crystal ball for after Wilt Fong did, Josh. You feel good about him to Florida State, I presume? Yeah, just wanted to check and make sure that after the quarantine started that he was still a top target for Florida State. Um, there was a resounding yes when I when I looked into it. He's definitely a top target and a guy that Florida State's been pursuing heavily since he, he visited in early March. Um, he's been really recruited by three or four Florida State coaches. I know early on it was Alex Atkins because that was kind of his territory. Uh, but since then, it's mainly been Ron Dugans and Kenny Dillingham. Uh, Mike Norvell's also been involved in it. He was one of the guys, um, Burrell speaking of, he was one of the guys that Florida State also did uh, a virtual spring game tour visit with back when we were reporting on those in April. It was um, something having to do with the Zoom meeting, playing Madden with the coaches, going on the on the FaceTime tour. Like uh, They did some kind of elaborate recruiting thing back in April. And Burrell's been in contact with the staff since. Um Will Fong got the intel that it might be there might be a decision coming soon. And once I I found out he's at the top of FSU's board, it was a no brainer to put that crystal ball pick in. He was also I think you mentioned the the virtual tours and stuff, Josh. He was also checking out the spring game, the NCAA football spring game as well. Like he was in on that. I think Zach caught up with with Joshua Burrell about his thoughts on on that aspect. So someone who's 
who's been very interested in everything FSU. Yes, has been thrown his way. I like his game. Uh, a lot of good yard after catch ability there. I think he tracks the ball well deep, but does a lot of things at a pretty high level. So I, I thought like the high three-star ranking was maybe a tad low, but, but not too far off. Chris, do you have any idea why he dropped so much? Because he was considered like a, like a blue chip recruit at one point in the process for us, right? I've not asked Bart and Steve, the brain trust that puts together rankings. I've not talked to them specifically. If I had to guess just from watching the film, I, I dived back in it on, I think it was Friday, maybe Thursday. Just gave it a uh, watch. It had been a while. I think it might be the speed. I think the question mark might yeah. be how fast is he? Can he truly separate from elite athletic players at the next level? Or is he a guy that's just going to kind of have to outmuscle him and win it in the air and be big? Um, I do agree with you. I like him. I think he's big. He's physical. He does a good job catching it with his hands. He finishes plays well through the catch. And then he, he's a guy that doesn't look for contact, but he will play through contact and he will earn yards after the catch through contact. He doesn't shy away from it for sure. Um, and he's also a solid blocker at the position. The fact that he plays some defense in the front seven, I think kind of speaks to mm. his build and his physicality. I do think the one question watching him on video is just how much can he separate? Is he a guy that, if you just need him to run a flyer, or a quick route, is he going to create separation in tiny spaces? I don't know that he can do that outside of using his body and his frame. I don't know if his speed will allow him to do that just naturally. I think that might be the one question mark on him. One other thing I'll throw out there about Burrell, talked to him a little over a week ago. It was last Sunday. Uh, I tried to hit him up to do an interview. I brought this up on a previous pod. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing any interviews, but FSU is after me hard, and I really like FSU. That's what he said that evening. Obviously, kind of a short comment, but I think it's also a very direct comment. And like I said on the the last time we all got together for the podcast, just follow the likes, fellas. Follow the likes. All right, that's the positive news. There's two guys who we, I think, all like and think are pretty safe bets. Maybe not elite prospects, but, but good, solid ones that look to be trending towards FSU. That's encouraging. Guys that have visited FSU, ones who who the staff feels good about taking and keeping commitments to, from if they do end up popping like we think they're going to. So that's good stuff. Negative, I guess. Uh, can we just all say it? Ole Miss, right? Wow, you're feeling loosey-goosey this morning. You're already breaking uh, brown stuff. No, well, coffee. I haven't had coffee in a couple of days. So, yeah, the brown stuff's got me going. I mean, yeah, Ole Miss. Ole Miss being kind of a, a pain in FSU's butt right now. I don't know any other way to describe it. Uh, we'll go down the list here. Josh, Jerry and Jones is someone's recruitment you kind of started focusing on this past week. Ended pretty quickly. It was between Florida State and Ole Miss. He was a Mississippi State uh, safety transfer. That obviously didn't go in FSU's favor, right? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd put it that way. I jumped into the Jerry and Jones transfer saga the evening that Jerry and Jones tweeted that he had talked to Mike Norvell. And I think that was Thursday. And I looked into it Friday morning, put out a report on Knowles 24 seven, basically FSU reached out uh, Jerry and Jones for those that don't know is leaving Mississippi state after his freshman season. So one of the things that FSU was intrigued about was, you know, the fact that he'd have three years to play at Florida state. He's not a graduate transfer, not just a one year kind of replacement. And they found some value in that. They liked him as a player, but obviously there's reasons why he's leaving and Florida State wanted to look into those. So um, he announced very quickly that he was going to make his decision the following day on Saturday. 
Um, I reached back out to some contacts that were familiar with his recruitment and everybody that I talked to said, yeah, it's going to be Ole Miss. Um, and this kind of, this is the trend anytime. And I've said this on the pod, anytime that you see a, a transfer enter his name in the portal and make a quick decision, it means he knew where he was going to go before he entered the portal. Um, we saw something similar with Isaiah Walker. We saw something now with Jerry Jones and we've seen it with a bunch of others. I can't think of off the top of my head, but Jerry and Jones, um, oh, Stuart Reese from Mississippi State. Yeah, Stuart Reese. Yep, great Florida example. So when these, so Florida State had a contact, um, Chris Marv, coach at Mississippi State last year, but beyond that, uh, Jared Jones had Jerry and Jones had never really been to Florida State, never really been recruited to Florida State, was somewhat unfamiliar. The news that he was going to make a quick decision um, made it pretty evident that he was going to head to Ole Miss. So I can't really say this is one that like FSU was vested in or expected to win. They were just kind of kicking the tires on Jerry and Jones. And when he made his quick decision, it was probably a good thing for Florida State because they didn't have to vest any more time into it when he was likely going there anyway. Am I wrong? Sorry, Am ahead. I wrong for feeling like FSU kind of got lucky with that one, with not getting him? I mean, that's, that thing. You expressed that. Uh, yeah, why is that, Chris? Well, one, I don't think they desperately need a safety. That's a position they can recruit at a high level, at a high school level. And they also have some talent currently on the roster that, you know, goes through multiple classes. So it's not like it's a group where they're going to lose group this year and be barren of talent next year. And the other thing is that thing was a mess. I don't know how much people invested time in it. But there was accusations of tampering because Jones was thought to be on Old Miss's campus the weekend before. Uh, you know, things with the Egg Bowl rivalry never go very nicely, and they get ugly. And this one got really ugly really fast. Accusations of tampering. You know, people saying they were speaking to NCA sources and ADs about what happened, how things went, talking about roles. I think that Jones mentioned FSU and Oregon simply because he needed to mention other schools in this to make the transfer look a little more, you know, above board and to kind of say, Hey, I did it normal way. And I chose a school with a few options, talked to a few coaches. I don't know that I ever felt like FSU was truly an option here. I know he spoke to Norvell. So I guess that qualifies as, as such, but I think that was more kind of a CYA situation than anything. As Josh said, I think from the get go, this kid knew he was going to Ole Miss. Yeah. So I was going to say in a vacuum, this isn't a huge loss, but what I'm going to say, and this is why I, I dropped my F Ole Miss reference earlier. There's a couple other examples here of Florida State going head to head with Ole Miss and, and just not things not going smoothly for them. The next one is Fabian Lovett, who we've talked about at nauseum at this point. And I think it was on the last podcast when we were all together this past week that you guys kind of pushed me into a corner to to say that, no, I don't think he's going to end up in this class. And I said it kind of jokingly at the time, but I'm glad I did because uh, we ended up doing a little bit of research and Intel led me to believe that, no, FSU doesn't expect him to be part of this class anymore. Now, uh, I know Mississippi State site is reporting that he's telling Florida State that he's going to Ole Miss. I guess Oregon is in the picture. Like We still don't know. It's possible that Lovett still would end up here in Tallahassee you know, in, in June when, when the grad transfers are supposed to arrive. But right now, I think all signs point to him not being in this class, despite he had a public commitment and there hasn't actually been a public decommitment. Josh, I know you had some information that was a little bit different than what I had, but I, I, I feel pretty confident still in saying that, that Lovett's not going to be expected to be in Florida State's class as of now. Yeah, I'm not actively 
pursuing this story anymore. I don't <laughs> think there's been anything that would lead me to believe um, he's coming to FSU over the last couple 10, 14 days, I'd say, that we've been kind of poking around on this thing. All the smoke signals uh, show him going to Ole Miss, most likely. I've talked to you know some people involved in his in his recruitment and stuff, and how do I say? I've just been around recruiting long enough to to know in somebody's voice when they think they're getting a kid and when they don't think they're getting a kid. And mm-hmm. right now, um, I don't have any reason to believe that you know Fabian Lovett's coming to Florida State. But weirder things have happened. It's kind I of think- just when he shows up, I'll report on it. I don't know <laughs> if there's point- any more really to do. I think Florida State would be shocked if he showed up to Florida State so at too. this point. I think and, so, too. And for the context, like, we like Fabian Lovett. Uh, we like him as a player and what he was going to provide long-term for Florida State. as a guy who was starting in the SEC as a redshirt freshman and held his own. Was was an average starter, uh, maybe a little bit below average, but someone who was going to develop into an above-average to good starting defensive tackle, which FSU doesn't have a whole lot of options with after this season, if Marvin Wilson or when Marvin Wilson leaves, if Corey Durden and Robert Cooper, even one or the other go, uh, you're, you're limited to to True Thompson and Dennis Briggs, who we like, but but don't have starting experience. This was kind of hedging your bets. If that doesn't happen, uh, as expected now, without love, it it just forces you to continue to get creative, whether it's in the, the grad transfer market or JUCO market in the future to kind of bridge the gap from losing the really talented upperclassmen or hoping that that one of the underclassmen really develop and and you get something out of those guys. So that's two out of three for Ole Miss. The final one, Mike, Mike, excuse me, Micah Pettis commits a three-star offensive lineman from Alabama. He's a guy who I like quite a bit. I know it's kind of questionable whether he's a guard, whether he's a tackle guys. This was the first time during a fairly uneventful spring where like I, I actually felt agitated by recruiting development. This is the first one. I was like, oh, that's not great. And, and I don't even know if he was a take for Florida State, but it's at a position of need. And it's a guy who I know I liked his his highlights. I like what he could become, his upside. Uh, am I overreacting? Like that was the one that kind of, this is the first time where I was like, yeah, that stings a little bit. I think it's a combination of seeing multiple targets come off the board at that position in the last week or so. You know, the two guys going to Auburn, Langlo and uh, Caleb in this one kind of you just start seeing all the targets come off fsu's offered 28 offensive tackles 16 of them are committed currently and out of the 12 that are available there's a couple that were old offers that they're not communicating with a guy like rayshon benny falls under that category and then there's others like amarius mims jc latham tristan lay who fsu's just not batting at that level where they're going to be able to compete for guys like that so i think the bigger thing that's kind of coming up is you know there's rod or there's cameron ball there's jacoby jackson those are guys that you know we know they're involved with but beyond them out of 28 offers offers you know there's three that we can point to at a position where they need on multiple guys none that we feel great about fsc's chances with i think it's just kind of the pressure of the situation you know we can keep banging the dead horse all we want beat on them but FSU needs a quality offensive tackle or two in this class, and they need some depth at that position long term. And I think Pettis is a guy that definitely falls more in a depth category than dependable because I don't think he was a take right now, but he is a developmental type kid that you probably, when all this started, wanted to see him at camp in the summer, wanted to see him in the spring, wanted to see if he was shedding some weight, moving a little bit better if the feet were improving. And if it kept trending that way, then he becomes more valuable to you. Obviously, that's all now off the board when I'm committed to Ole Miss. And just because a kid commits doesn't mean you can't 
still pursue him and potentially flip him. We're expecting an insane flip decommitment season once things open up a little bit. But it's much tougher to get a kid the second time than the first time, in my opinion. That's what I was going to say for context. Like I understand that that the recruiting process still has a long way to go. And again, we don't even know if Michael Pettis was a take for sure right now. But like you said, Chris, it is harder to get someone to decommit and then commit to you than it is just to get them to commit to you when you're you're not pledged anywhere. So I just think it was like a like a plan B or plan C type of option that gets a little bit more difficult now if if you are looking at it without a whole lot of clear evident headway at the offensive tackle board. That that's why it was a little deflating to me. But I don't think it's the end of the world. I just it, it was the first time that I I did feel a little discouraged about some of the developments that that are going on with the offensive line recruiting uh, in this class. So with that in mind, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We're gonna get into offensive line recruiting uh, more in depth, and this is regarding the grad transfer market, which remains a really interesting talking point with new options consistently coming into the market and, and some old ones remaining in there as well. So we'll be right back after this break and we'll talk some offensive line recruiting. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back to do the second half of the podcast here. It'll be pretty quick hitting. Basically want to focus on the offensive line recruiting, and I'm going to dial in Josh on this one because he's had his finger on this pulse. Josh, you really love covering the grad transfer portal, don't you? That seems yep. like that's that's been right in your wheelhouse. How come? It's been giving me life. Uh, I don't know. I like chasing news. I like uh, reporting on news, and it's really the only thing out there, and it's exciting. Uh, these transfers, um, they it, it they seems more exciting. It, it seems more exciting to you than 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 even just high school recruiting right now. Is it because it's new, or is it because of the hope and potential, like you said? Yeah, and I think info is harder to come by. Uh, uh, so you're, so you're flexing then, your you're flexing your 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 muscles, your, no, your source I mean, muscles. Just with recruiting though, 
uh, you can DM a kid and, you know, he'll respond to you right now because he's in high school and there's nothing else going on. And uh, nobody else, do you see a lot of people re- reporting on the transfer market? I very feel like few, we're one very to few. report on. Yeah. yeah. In, our, in our market specifically, it's it's uh, you have that blocked out for yourself right now. So I like it. It's fun. Good on you. Good on you. And and on the opposite side, I feel like knee wants nothing to do with it. No, Not- I just let Josh have his baby. Okay. Yeah, right. Don't mind visiting and holding the baby, but when it needs a diaper change, it's all Josh's. All right. Well, these are some big babies that we're going to start talking about. 300 pounders because uh, we're going into offensive tackles specifically. First off, someone who we've talked about quite a bit because his recruitment continues to go. And, and I think you can afford to do that when you are a coveted prospect at a premium position. That's Jared Williams, the Houston from or sorry, the offensive tackle from Houston. He's got a starting experience. He's graded out well in the past. So he's someone who brings value as someone who's going from the group of five to likely the power five level. I'm getting the feeling that he's just going to show up to campus one day. And that's how we're going to figure out that he's he's committed somewhere. Josh, what's what's going on with Jared Williams? Wrote a story on Knowles 24-7 Friday saying that a commitment was probably going to come over the weekend. Um, I got a message on Saturday afternoon telling me just the opposite. Uh, that Jared Williams probably was not going to make a, a commitment over the weekend. Now, Williams told me he was. This was a separate source. This was somebody else saying that, look, it's probably not going to happen. I let it play out. I didn't reach out to Williams. Um, sure enough, here we are. It's before noon on Monday, and he has not announced a decision. So I think it'll probably go another week, uh, another couple days. The sources I talked to believe it's more of an FSU and Miami battle. They're not discounting Baylor, but the thought process that I was told was Baylor, Houston, kind of similar, you know, a little bit of a step up, but Houston to Miami, Houston to Florida State, much bigger step to to bigger competition. And that's kind of what Williams wants. I know USC is also jockeying for position. Sorry, Ole Miss is also in there and maybe even a few more. I know Williams is talking to a bunch of schools, but it, I, I think it's going to come down to FSU or Miami. Um, I'm a little gun shy having covered these transfers to be too optimistic on anything regarding FSU landing transfers. So right now I'm kind of hedging my bets. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it'll be Miami, but hey, FSU's in it. I know Jared Williams, even up to this weekend, is still in contact with Mike Norvell and the, and the staff at FSU. So that's a good sign. It's not over. He hasn't informed any coaching staff of what he plans to do. God, this fan base will lose it if he goes to Miami. <laughs> God, I don't even want to be. I'm going to just not log out that day. When If that happens, I'm not going on the message board. I just can't deal. All right. Other grad transfer possibilities. Uh, this is a new name to go over. This is Iowa offensive tackle Ezra Miller. He was a four-star offensive lineman in the 2019 recruiting cycle. I think it was like a top 250 recruit, uh, pretty close to that area. He from Iowa. He visited Iowa a ton, like almost 30 times as a recruit. So was all in on Iowa. Uh, he got there. He initially retired because of back issues, but he ran. He recently entered the transfer portal and uh, opened up about having some some mental issues there. I mean, talking about anxiety, depression. And uh, things that you don't usually see people be vulnerable about. And he said that's why he he left the program and retired initially. I, I ended up catching up with Ezra, uh, Ezra over uh, over DM really quick. He said he had reached out to FSU late in the week. He initiated the contact after one of the FSU coaches, I believe, or a recruiting account followed him. He wanted to hold off on giving me an update. He had family coming in town this weekend. And I think he was so overwhelmed by the the flurry of 
of DMs from coaches, but it seems like someone that we may be able to have contact with throughout this process, hopefully. Josh, uh, is this someone that you think FSU is going to reciprocate interest in as he messaged them? Mm. I know FSU had a Zoom call scheduled for Saturday afternoon with Ezra Miller. Um, as you were speaking, uh, my phone started ringing. I got a very important phone call from a connected source with that recruitment. Do you want to go? Um, no, I'll, I'll write something today on Knowles 24-7. So I, I don't exactly know how things went or where if FSU plans to go all in on Miller. Like you said, there's some mental health issues that he's working on, overcoming and working through. I think really Florida State, that's what they're – they want to find out about is do their research on, Hey, if we do take a kid from Iowa, that's going to be on our campus for three, potentially three plus years. And he's been going through some things like, what are we getting ourselves into? Does he even want to leave the state of Iowa? Does, you know, so many questions have to be answered. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll have more on that on Knowles 24 seven, but I do know that there was a, uh, a zoom call set for Saturday. So when you spoke to him on Friday, There'd been some contact via Twitter. FSU took the next step to Zoom. Mm. I know they're doing your, their research and should know more this week on exactly where they stand with Ezra Miller. Jeffrey Jenkins was another name from Iowa who entered the portal, I think, about a week or so before. He's more of a center. Uh, I don't have any intel there. Josh, did he – is going to contact him as well? I do believe there has been – Jeez, I'm Sorry. dropping stuff. I do believe You're, there has get all, been – Getting all antsy. We're, we're almost I do believe there has been contact. Um I think anytime FSU has a chance to upgrade on the offensive line to something better than what they have, they're going to do so. So if they if they view him as that, I think they'll pursue him. Um, from this what stat, I understood, real, real quick, last this stuff does it, just more does of it, a reaching um, out. Oh, sorry, I was trying to interject with something. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say the staff does a ton of homework mm-hmm. on players and and not just looking at film when they enter the portal or asking like the, the current staff about the guy. I mean, they talk to coaches within the conference coaches who are recruited. Like you're, you're looking at multiple levels of homework that they do. So these guys get put on our radar. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes it develops into something, sometimes it doesn't, but just to keep that in mind, like not everyone that they initially vet is going to be someone that they recruit heavily. Yeah. That's it, why when you said, do they have interest? It's like, I, I know, there's, I there's levels, but yeah, they do have interest. There's, there's some sort of interest there with both, with both uh, offensive linemen from Iowa. I feel the need to qualify. Cause even when we were talking about Jerry and Jones earlier, like there's, there's different levels of, of homework that they, that they do. So uh, last offensive lineman I want to ask about is Caden Crawford from Delaware state. Neat. Everyone got excited, right? Like, wasn't that the, the name that kind of popped up that people were like, ooh, ooh, NFL body, possibly? Yeah, I mean, every time a kid's name pops in the portal now, people get excited. They're just desperate. They want they want a new toy. I mean, it's funny to me that, like, like uh, the kid from Houston, we've turned into something great, when in reality, he can be a help. He can be better than what they have, but... He's not suddenly going to make them great, but that's what happens with portal magic. People just think that's instantaneously going to create something bigger and better. But yeah, the Crawford kid is a kid that there was clear excitement among some in the fan base of this is a kid we need and we need him now. And it sounds like Joshua. Yeah, let me uh, suck all the excitement out of the room real quick. (laughs) I do not think Caden Crawford is going to be a guy Florida state pursues. Now, this does this. None of this information comes from anybody involved in recruiting him to FSU. I did a little bit of research, reached out to somebody that would know about his situation, 
And I don't even know if I need to bring this back and, and find out if FSU is involved. But Caden Crawford is not a graduate transfer. He was in, oh, he was a non-renewal at uh, Delaware State, meaning they did not choose to renew his uh, scholarship for his final season. And he carries about a 2.0 GPA. So I think there's just way too many question marks, starting with the fact that he plays for Delaware State and is a lower competition. But number two, we don't even know if he'll have to sit out a year. Like if he's if he hasn't he has not graduated from Delaware State. So therefore, he doesn't have that free option to transfer. Um, Or could he sit? Would he still have to sit out a year because he comes from a lower level from a lower level? He could conceivably go up. Okay. No, 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 no. Sorry. No, that's not correct. You can. No, that's not correct. I would wrong. You can transfer down a level and not have to sit out. So you go from FBF to FCS, but you can't go from FCF to FBS. Uh, the graduate transfer rule, I believe. Chris, you might be able to correct me on this, but the, he need to be a graduate to be able to get immediate eligibility without any sort of appeal. Yeah, or I think like so. That. So I can't imagine many Power Five teams showing him a ton of interest without him being a graduate transfer. That's so, a toughie. I hate to rain on the parade, but those are kind of the facts. And like we always say, we always say that there's a reason they're transferring. All right. Well, this was supposed to be kind of like a neutral segment, but I'm leaving it feeling very negative. Is there anything positive we can talk about before we wrap up here? No? Guys, <laughs> come on. Come on. Help me out. No? All right. Let's try. The thing I want to see next from FSU is entering the JUCO market at the offensive line. I just mm-hmm. – I, that time has come. I think the need is there. I think Juco recruiting is different this year. Usually, you know, traditionally we view Juco recruiting as something that really ramps up come September, October. I think with the fact that nobody's able to do anything right now, that Juco recruiting is probably viewed a little bit differently, especially with the inability to go see a kid during the evaluation period and kind of get a feel for am I going to go on him after the summer if I miss on some of these other targets at, you know, the high school level or transfer market in the summer. I, I just think it's worthwhile for FSU kind of dip their beak in and see if there's a few. And, you know, I know Kenny Dillingham went to Auburn last year and had a hand in recruiting Juco offensive linemen for them because it was a clear need for them. I know Alex Atkins is a guy that's probably comfortable viewing an offensive lineman in Juco ranks because I think Alex is pretty comfortable viewing an offensive lineman at any rank. He's coached I, in the Juco ranks himself. I just, I think it's time. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's something that we can we can look at. Maybe Knowles twenty four seven will have something on offensive line recruiting in the JUCO market later today. Whoa, maybe I don't want to read my mind. I got. Well, you, I, oh, you're going to do something on that? I got like six or seven names of guys JUCO offensive linemen that Florida State's not necessarily in on, but that would help. That could help. So we're going to get started with some JUCO talk this week for sure. It's so time. The, the ebbs and flows of recruiting. Uh, last week was an ebb, I think. This week's a flow. Maybe next week will be an ebb again. I don't know. Or, or the other way around. I don't know. Yeah, there, we could see Burrell uh, come on board in the next week or two. I think that's possible. Um, I mean, with, as well. You know, within the next 10 days, I think we're expecting probably mm-hmm. two commitments is, is what it sounds like. So good. Like uh, recruiting ups and downs, ups and downs right now. That's that's how it goes. But we're going to stick with you guys and tell you how we feel about things as they're happening and try to put it into context. Hopefully we did that today. And hopefully the next time all three of us get together, there'll be a little bit more uh, positive momentum to to talk about and, and delve into. So 
uh, I'm going to wrap up this podcast. Josh, I'm going to throw it to you to uh, to do your thing. I, I don't want to ask because people don't like me. Okay, because that was the plan on the pre-show you were going to ask, but I do. I, I, um, I got scared. I think I'm better for this. Yeah, we appreciate you guys and all of the five-star reviews. It's really been a big help. Um, if you could just get on your little phone, take it out, hit that five-star review, just like the recruits that Florida State's going to sign in February and give us uh, those five stars. And we really appreciate that. We're also going to start some new podcast series. We've done Meet the Beat. We've done What Went Wrong with Willie. Um, those are just the two that we've done during quarantine. So we're going to do a couple more. And coaches. oh yeah, the, co- the we did uh, meet the new coaches series as well. So we're going to crank up at least two or three more. And we are thinking about some local advertising or just advertising in general. It doesn't have to be local, but it would be nice if it was local to Tallahassee. And um, we're looking to talk to some sponsors um, for these series. If you want and you're interested or your business is interested, hit up Brendan um, on DM and we'll get it taken care of. So. For Chris Snee, for Brendan Sinone, I'm Josh Newberg, and thank you for listening to the latest edition of On the Bench. Stick in the landing! Focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? This is a huge night. What's the truth from you? Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.